0: Have a seat, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 9 is where we're going to be at today, and just um, there's something I noticed, just sometimes you you go along in life and you don't realize how abnormal things are at any given moment, Uh, and I I checked to see what the average high temperature is in February in this valley, and it was 42 degrees. I haven't seen, we haven't seen 42 degrees in, in a long time. And the average snowfall in February in this, in this valley is four and a half inches, and we had 27 last month. So there is, I imagine <laughs> at this point in time, it's one of those things where I uh, think, man, what on earth is going on here? Is it going to be spring ever? But it's amazing how God works. Is that, and maybe that's something we learn is, is when things are as cold as they are, and, and continue to be as cold as they are, we know somewhere, somehow, God's going to break through and He's going to warm things up. And he's, that happens a lot of other areas of life as well. And, uh, and sometimes we just learn patience, we, we push through, and, and God does, does great stuff as long as, as we're courageous and continue to be. So str- spring will arrive at, at some point or another. I remember, on a similar note, when I was a kid, I remember and I grew up in a, in a really ideal place, I lived outside of town, the National Forest was my backyard, and there was a, a big cherry creek ran behind my folks' house there. And, and I could go out the door in the morning and I could wander around, and I didn't really have a care in the world. It was just me and my BB gun and, and whatever else I ended up running into that day. And it was, uh, it was kind of amazing, but I remember something started changing as I got older, and I got into my teenage years, and something just kind of hit me. And I'm sure my parents told me this, and and they prepared me for this. But I remember it it hitting me pretty hard at one point in time. Thinking, wait a minute, I'm going to grow up, and I'm going to get a job someday, and I'm going to work. And that sounds like a lot of responsibility. That sounds like a, a lot that I've, I'm going to have to to change up. And I'm glad that is out there somewhere. That is that is far away from me. And and there was in some sense there was there was a desire to say yes i want to be a fighter pilot or the things that whatever i decided i wanted to be at, at any given time and i was excited about pursuing those types of things but there was also this this little bit of fear about okay what does that look like and and how, how when i started thinking about i heard i heard about this this word that called bills that you had to pay And mortgage, I heard that word and thought, Oh, that doesn't sound very good. And all all these things, all these responsibilities that were gonna come in life at some point in time. And I remember just wrestling through thinking, okay, there's some there's some great things to working, but I think growing up there's some there's some responsibilities that come with it, and I'm not sure what to think about that. And I looked up here this last week, uh, because I remember just thinking, Oh, yeah, I'm not I I just I wanna go outside and play. And that's, that's what I want to do, and that's kind of where I want to stay. And I remember thinking that at 8, 10, 12 years old. And um, this article talked about how important it is to have a purpose in life and have some work that you're doing, whether it be a job or if a, if a mom is a stay-at-home mom or whatever, having a purpose that I've got a purpose in life that I'm accomplishing something. Because... Having work to do gives us purpose, it makes us productive, we get to contribute to our community, we get to grow with other people, we get to develop new skills, and we develop a sense of self-worth. And what happens if we if we lose that, we tend to lose our purpose in life, we lose our, our self-confidence, we we lose out on a whole lot of our self-worth just goes way down and we start missing out on things. And so as as a kid, even though I I wrestled with, what does work look like someday, and what does all this responsibility look like? That was an important, necessary progression in my life in order to to blossom and, and be what God wanted me to be. Now, in Luke chapter 6, or excuse me, Luke chapter 9, we're going to get into this, because Jesus is going to introduce his disciples to working in his kingdom now, up to this point in time, Jesus has gone around, and his disciples have followed, and he's been teaching them. He takes time where he teaches them, he does healing, and he, he takes time of rest, uh, which we see. Remember in the first chapters of Luke, Jesus talks about what his ministry is. is this kingdom that's coming, that's not going to have physical borders, but people from everywhere can become part of my kingdom. It's a kingdom of peace, a kingdom of, of where our lives are transformed, and he talked about all those types of things. He talks about or he goes and heals people over and over and over again. You see in the ministry of Jesus, there's people that he heals. And last week, we talked about how he showed people how to overcome their fear. He calmed the sea. He showed his authority over the deep, over demons, over disease and death, all those things that we're most afraid of. Public speaking actually wasn't in there, of the things that, that he showed his, his, uh, his authority over. But that's one of the great fears that we, we see in our world. And so Jesus, but what he does is he shows his disciples all these things that you're afraid of, all these things that people fear. I've got authority over them, so just trust me. Just walk by faith, as he told them, and I'm going to take care of you. But your job is to be courageous. And so going into chapter 9, look what happens next. And I'll start reading in in verse 1. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Talk about minimalism here. Man. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. And so Jesus starts in here teaching his disciples what their next step is and what he wants for them. Because at this point in time, if we could say it this way, the disciples had been to some extent spectators. They... What we see in Luke is they follow Jesus, they learn from Jesus, they watch Jesus. That's basically what they do. And as soon as Jesus walks through all these different things that they can be afraid of, he says, all right, now it's your turn, now go. And so if he didn't address public speaking before, now he addresses it. All right, go out. And what he tells them, in an essence, is to go out and I want you to teach people. The things that I've been teaching you, the example that I've set for you, I want you to go out and I want you to share that with everyone you come in contact with. And I want you to heal others as well. I'm going to give you this authority. And so when there's people need healing, you're going to have the authority to be able to help and to bless them. And I want you to overcome your fears. Can you imagine the disciples there at this point in time? Jesus says, all right, now everything that I've done and I've, and I've showed you to do, I want you to go out and I want you to do those things as well. And by the way, don't take anything with you. Walk by faith and live by faith. What would you be thinking if you were put in that position with Jesus' disciples? Thinking, oh no, this... Wait a minute, okay, I was loving this up to this point in time. I get to hang out with Jesus, he does these miracles, I get to follow along, all of this, but, oh, wait a minute now. I'm going from spectator to worker, and everything is changing right now, and this is quite something for me. This is way, way far out of my comfort zone. There was a book that came out a while back called Not a Fan. How many of you have read it? Anybody taking time to read it? Yeah, it's the basic... The basic premise of it is is that if you go to a stadium and you watch a sporting event, there's many people that are in the stadium that are around that watch, and then there's a few people playing there. Uh, like, how many of you have been to a Bobcats game? You've seen that, okay? You see the players are down there, and we as spectators get to sit on the side, and we get to make comments, we get to cheer, we get to be involved in that way. But when you go to the field house you go to the stadium to watch the Cats... Does it take any practice in order to go to the stadium to buy a ticket? Does it take any effort or self-discipline on your part, our part, to go there? Not really. Not really. We we can even plug in the coordinates on our GPS and, and go there. We don't even have to know the way there to get there. But the people that are competing, that are down in the arena, that are playing the game, they've moved far beyond being spectators but being people who are in the ring that are, that are playing. And so the same concept here is Jesus, in essence, is what he's showing his disciples is no longer are you going to be people that just follow me, that just just walk and, and learn from me, but the things that I have taught you, you are going to go out and you're going to do the same thing and you are going to be a blessing to the people around. Because Jesus knew that he was not going to be around forever. In fact, none of us are permanent. None of the ministries or none of the things that we're involved with, our are, are part of it is never permanent. It always changes and always evolves into to, uh, the mission being bigger than just us as individuals. And so Jesus gives them this opportunity and tells them, go out. And it doesn't finish there, but look at verse 10. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Can you imagine the confidence they had at this point in time? Yes, Jesus has showed us how to overcome our fears and it's happening here. Then he took with them. Um, then he, he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him, and he welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who needed healing. So he's teaching and healing again, you see here. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, send the crowd away so that they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging, because we are in a remote place. And he replied, you give them something to eat. You see what Jesus does here? Again, he's turned a corner with the disciples, Instead of him just leading the way, he says, you give them to somebody. You figure it out. Find your solution. And they come up with this great solution, right? They say, they answered, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. And so the disciples just freak. But But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so. And everyone sat down, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and he broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. And Jesus shows his example here. This is a miracle that appears in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, very, very important. And Jesus shows, again, that he is going to provide, shows his disciples this. And so you see what's happening here is Jesus is teaching his disciples, not only, not anymore, are you just going to be followers of me, but you're going to be workers, no longer spectators. I'm going to send you out to do the work that I'm that I'm doing here. I'm reproducing myself. So the question for us is, how do I go from being a spectator to a worker? And all of us are on that spectrum somewhere, and and that takes a lot. It takes us deciding, first of all, deciding I'm going to be a worker. Okay, I'm I'm going beyond just uh, spirituality is just me being fed and me. Getting what I need, but I'm going to deliberately look outside and and see see how I can I can be a worker in God's kingdom. Um, it all starts with a decision that I want to do that. I want to pursue, and I'm, I'm going to grow beyond um, beyond where I'm at. Uh, there is a, with any big decision that we make in life, it, it it's more than just a decision that we make in passing. I know that if I stood before you today and said, well. I'm, I'm going to uh, go back into training, I'm going to chisel my body down to become this, this great athlete, and I'm going, to, um, I'm going to do triathlons again, something like that. Um, but I didn't have a plan, I didn't write anything down. Guess what would happen in my world? About three days later, I would forget about it, and my diet would go out the window, my, my plan regimen would go out the window, all that kind of stuff would, would go out the window and be gone. And so what it takes for us to start with, to be a worker in God's kingdom, is decide, decide first of all, I'm going to do this. I know that for me, just like, like a child who is growing up, that is, uh, that is immature at some point in time, God is expecting more for me to grow and to blossom into something greater. And, that's, um, and, and I'm on board with that. I'm going to do that. And then accept opportunities as they come along. Um, both inside the church and outside the church. There's times where uh, there's, there's a lot of opportunities that, that, um, that come along sometimes with, within the worship assembly, sometimes helping out in, in other ways around the church. And then there's things that are completely outside of this community, things we can do in order to serve. Now, if, um, if you don't have some things that, that you consider ministries or things that you take on at this point in time, I'd encourage you to start praying about that because the time will come, that, that you're going to be asked to, to help out in something. And if you're not, talk to me, talk to the elders and say, hey, how can I serve, how can I help? And we'll start you down that path. And here's my, my recommendation for you. When something comes your direction, here's, here's an answer. Someone comes and asks, hey, how, I need help with A, B, C, or D, whatever it may be. Here's an answer that works really well. You ready to know what it is? Yes. Sometimes it's hard and sometimes it's scary. But we say yes. And what that does is it just gets us moving. It just gets us going in a direction. And so once an object is moving, it's a lot easier to move it in a different direction, right? I I pushed someone, um, a lady that was stuck just down the road here with her vehicle. And her car was stuck. And she had her, her wheels turned all this different direction. And I couldn't quite push her out said, just turn the wheel straight, and we got enough momentum, and then she was able to turn the wheels because we've got to start with momentum somewhere. And oftentimes the first things that we take on to serve in God's kingdom are things that that, that maybe we're not passionate about or maybe we're not very good at, but we're doing something because we're s- giving a sacrifice to God. Whatever I can do, I want to give to you, God, so that you can use me to to, to do something good here, and, and we grow. And so start by deciding, yeah, I'm going to be a worker in God's kingdom, and I'm going to say yes when the opportunities come, and refine that over time. And this is a year, a process of a lifetime. We refine those those ways that we serve by based on need. If there's uh, if there's there's a great need, sometimes we we pursue those things because some, no one else is doing something. How many of you have, have done something at some point in time because nobody else would do it? Now, all of us have those times. Yeah, and sometimes that's the way it works in God's kingdom is, is you look around and you think, nobody's doing this. I can, maybe I can jump in and I can do it. Or giftedness. in this. God has, has created all of us to be gifted, to be able to do things great for his kingdom. And all those things are different. And... Um, and those giftedness, we, we learn and we grow. With, as we grow, we learn what those are as we go along. I know that um, I shared a, an example of this here not too long ago, but uh, there's, there's a few, few people that uh, look over or oversee the, uh, the, the physical building here. Okay? If the elders approached me and said, Chris, we want you to take over and we want you to take over the building and, and make sure the building is, is all um, put together and maintained and all that kind of stuff. The first thing I would say at this point in my life is, <laughs> no, <laughs> find somebody else because I will. it will be a disaster because I'm, that's not going to be my gift. I'm not going to be very good at that. Now, I, I've done a lot of those types of things, but I know that there's other people that are much, much better in that. So if I take on a ministry that I know other people are going to be better at, it's tough on them and it's tough on me, and it, and it creates, a, creates quite a bit of difficulty. Things that we're passionate about. Sometimes God places passions very, very deep inside of us that only we can understand and only we can know. But those passions come out and we follow those in order to, to bless God's kingdom in some form or fashion. Um, God's calling. Sometimes God provides opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to come and, and we just quit fighting him and we, we, we answer that. Or there's fruit. We see that when we take on a certain ministry, there's good fruit that happens and there's good things that come out of it. All of those things, okay? You can write them down, but those are things just to consider is that how we refine how we work in God's kingdom. And I can share my own story is, is how that, that worked is there was a time where I was trying to figure out what earth am I going to do in life? What, is, what does God want for me? How is, how is this going to work? And something I noticed is that I kept finding situations where there was a need when I was in college, for someone to teach, for someone to to do something like that, and and I said yes, and I oh man, it was scary. I'll tell you, it was scary. But I said yes, and what happened is is I got positive confirmation from people. People approached me and said, "Chris, thank you for teaching. That was very helpful. Uh, please keep doing that." Like, oh great! You no, know, here we go. I thought I could do it once and get out of it. You know, that's that's what, kind of my, my but I realized. During my summer jobs, when I was around, when I was a, working at a ski mountain and when I was a park ranger, I looked around at the people that I worked with. And these were people that didn't know God. And it burdened me deeply. And so what I started doing is finding ways to bring God into discussions and finding ways to, somehow to, to invite the people I worked with to, to worship and to Bible classes. And you know what happened? The weirdest thing happened. People showed up. It was the weirdest thing. And, and what I figured out as I continued to go on, these people, you know, some of them became Christians, some of them are, are still faithful during the, that time of my life, but I developed a passion, God's calling, and, and fruit happened. And, all the, and as I figured, as I, go to, as I go to long, man, my kids will correct me on that one. As I went along, God continued to work, and there we find ourselves. Your path is going to be different. Your giftedness is going to be different. But do you see how that works? As we just start saying, we say, I'm going to decide to be a worker in God's kingdom. I'm going to accept opportunities. And I'm going to refine those opportunities as God leads me as I go along. And I'm going to keep working. I'm never going to give up. I'm going to teach somehow, in some way, by example, however it may be, showing people that Jesus is Lord to the people around me. I'm going to try to bring healing to everyone I come in contact with, just like Jesus did, and I'm going to overcome whatever obstacles may come in my path, and I will not give up. And I do that for an entire life, and that's the kind of workers that Jesus is creating right here among his disciples. There's a, how many of you have ever worked for an organization or, or a boss that it was really not fulfilling? <laughs> okay, yeah, we have hands that we, we put up for that. Hey, this is what working for Jesus is like. Jesus, uh, and let me back up and say it this way. Workers or jobs that we have that are not fulfilling don't provide a purpose. We get no good training or example, and there's no ongoing support to help things go well. But with Jesus, what we see is he's given us a purpose, the most important purpose in the world, to be the example of God the people around and to call people into his kingdom. That is the most important thing we will ever do in life. And he's provided the example on how to do it. He did for his disciples. He's done it for us. And he said, just as Hagen read here a little bit ago, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That's how the book of Matthew ends. Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. He's going to be there. He's going to walk beside us through everything that goes on. That's a pretty good job description, isn't it? That's a pretty good person to be able to be working for. And something happens when we decide to step out, and I'm going to be a person that, that, is, that goes to the, to, to the next phase, the next level, whatever it is, to be working in God's kingdom. Look at chapter 9, starting verse 18. I'm just going to read this, and we'll deal with this more next week. Chapter 9, verse 18. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, Who do the crowd say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? And Peter answered, "You're God's Messiah. That's the first time that any of Jesus' disciples say that in the book of Luke. And Peter's the first one to say it. And I can't help but think that after Peter had been taught by Jesus that he could overcome his fears, that he could, um, that as he followed Jesus around, being taught about the kingdom of God and, and seeing all the healing that he was doing, and then being put into a place where he had to go and he had to do the same thing, that that didn't change him profoundly to the core. So when Jesus asked, finally, who do you say I am? Peter said, you're the one we've been waiting for. You're the one that the prophets have talked about forever. You're the one. And when Peter said that, his life changed forever. And the same thing happens for us when we decide we're going to be workers for God. And we're going to go to those next steps and look more like what God wants us to be. And we embrace the abundant life of Jesus. He changes us from the inside out from now on. And uh, I know this... This crew, I always, like I I mentioned, I learn a lot from you guys all the time of the the sacrifice and the work that, that, uh, that you do for God's kingdom. And I pray for all of us that we can continue to do so more and more every day and live out the abundant life of Jesus. Let's stand and sing together.